What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Westbrook Pegler was an ultra-conservative newspaper columnist during the middle of the 20th century, sort of the Rush Limbaugh of his day. He was famous for his harsh commentary and inflammatory accusations. And for Pegler, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt was public enemy number one. A lot of things the president did got under Pegler's skin. For example, during the Great Depression... Roosevelt often criticized wealthy Americans for their unhealthy influence on U.S. democracy. And we know now that government by organized money is just as dangerous as government by organized mob. Roosevelt also claimed that many wealthy Americans were living off fortunes that were acquired by dishonest means. This claim especially angered Pegler. Why? Well, because, as Pegler argued, the president's family's own wealth could be traced to some extremely dubious deeds in China, more than a century before. Roosevelt's family fortune, Pegler wrote, was, quote, derived from the degradation and wretchedness of the Chinese people. It was a shocking allegation to make against a sitting president, especially in the early 1940s. The White House declined to comment, and the issue went away. But here's the thing. Pegler was right. Roosevelt's grandfather, Warren Delano, was a buccaneer and a drug trafficker in China during the 19th century. Indeed, the Delano family fortune and likely Roosevelt's own rise to power can be traced directly to China and to the sale of a highly addicted drug, opium. I'm Sean Braswell, and welcome to The Thread, a podcast where we examine the interlocking lives and events of history. Season two will debut early next year, but we'd like to share another bonus episode with you. This week's mini-thread explores the connection between the architect of the New Deal, 
Franklin Roosevelt, and some very lucrative drug deals a century before. The 1700s were a boom time for China. The flourishing nation tripled its population to over 300 million. It became an economic powerhouse. China sold massive quantities of tea and silk to Western nations. And even better, China was so resource-rich that they felt little need to buy much in return. As one Chinese leader told Britain's King George III, We possess all things. I set no value on objects strange and ingenious and have no use for your country's manufacturers. There was one potential import that China was hard-pressed to resist, though. Opium. And one astute British Empire official realized it. The one who oversaw the poppy-growing region of Bengal in India. Soon, the Bengal to China opium trade became the world's most valuable commodity line. Opium sales eventually became a major part of the British Empire's revenue stream. It arguably made Britain's Queen Victoria history's largest drug dealer. Jesus opium. That's what the approximately 12 million opium addicts in China called the drug they bought from mostly white Christian dealers. The dealers sold the drug offshore from what the locals called devil ships. These ships anchored in the Pearl River Delta outside of Canton at night and sold the drug under the cover of darkness. The illegal narcotic worked its way into China's economic bloodstream even faster than its Western proponents imagined. Opium sucked up a tenth of China's money supply by the mid-19th century. The epidemic of addiction tore at the nation's social fabric and brought one of the wealthiest nations on earth to its knees. Most of the wealth found its way into British hands. But the opium trade was like blood in the water for any enterprising business shark or company at the time. All you needed was a boat, preferably a fleet. And so, a number of adventuresome young men from New England seafaring families went east to ride the opium wave in China. And many made out like, well, they made out like the bandits that they were. Up next, we find out how one prominent American family got its financial start in China. Franklin Delano Roosevelt's grandfather, Warren Delano, came from a long line of Boston seafarers. In his early 20s, Delano joined a Boston merchant bank and shipping firm and sailed overseas to make his fortune. He discovered the booming opium trade in China and spent nearly a decade dealing the drug. In letters home to his family, the young man admitted that opium had an unhappy effect upon the pale zombie-like addicts he encountered. Still, he insisted that its sale was, quote, Fair, honorable, and legitimate. He claimed it was no different than the importation of wine and spirits to America. Officials in China, where trade in the potent drug was declared illegal, saw it very differently. Delano returned home to New York a wealthy man. He invested his winnings in real estate and railroads and started a family. But then a great economic crisis hit the U.S., the Panic of 1857, and Warren Delano lost most of his fortune. His wife was pregnant with their ninth child at the time, and so Delano returned to China to regain his fortune. He was gone for several years while the Civil War raged in the U.S., but he did eventually return to upstate New York, and with a second opium fortune. (music) 
Warren Delano and his family became an elite Northeastern clan, thanks to their opium-derived fortune. One of his daughters, Sarah, was a smart young woman who had no shortage of prominent suitors. She would eventually settle on a wealthy railroad executive named James Roosevelt. They had one child together, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, born in 1882. It is not clear how much Franklin Roosevelt knew about the origins of his grandfather's wealth. The family mostly ignored it. Roosevelt biographer Jeffrey Ward observes in his book, Before the Trumpet, in a family fond of retelling and embellishing even the mildest sort of ancestral adventures, no story seemed to have been handed down concerning Warren Delano's genuinely adventurous career in the opium business. The Delanos, however, were not the only prominent American family to make a fortune in the opium trade. Other beneficiaries included the Cabots of Boston, major donors to Harvard, the Russells of Connecticut, big supporters of Yale. The mother of former U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry came from the Forbes family of Boston, which also made its fortune in the Chinese opium trade. This list goes on. Of course, you can't hold the sins of the bandit grandfathers against subsequent generations. But the Warren Delano story is a good reminder that if you dig deep enough beneath any dynasty or massive aggregation of wealth, you're likely to find some dubious deeds. The Thread is produced by Libby Coleman and me, Sean Braswell. Our editors are Carlos Watson and Samir Rao. Chris Hoff engineered our show. Special thanks to Cindy Carpian, Sanjeev Tandon, Nat Rowe, Daisy Carrington, and Tracy Moran. This episode features music by The New Division with a song called Opium. Check us out at Aussie.com or on Twitter and Facebook. If you love surprising, engaging stories from history, look no further than the flashback section of Aussie.com. That's O-Z-Y dot com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Wait! 
Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.